All right, this morning, uh, why don't you find Bibles? We're going to be in the Bible this morning. Uh, eventually, we'll be landing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, kind of continuing to think a little bit about Paul and as we've been going. Next week, we'll be kicking off our Christmas series. I'm very excited about it. Uh, the series is called Skinny Santa, so we'll be talking about uh, lots of different things, some of them including uh, a skinny or skinnier, anyway, Santa. So uh, I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a blast. Please be here to check it out. Um, but as we begin thinking this morning, uh, I, I've been sort of steering clear of the news lately, and I turned it on, and yo, they're burning this country down. Like, I didn't know. It was crazy. Uh, I was listening to impeachment drama, and then I was listening to, like, primary drama, all kinds of drama. So much drama. And that drama just kind of gets into us, doesn't it? How many of y'all are already dealing with family drama for Thanksgiving? Let me see a show of hands. Because mine is up, you'll notice. Am I the only one? Man, y'all, oh, there it is. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. And, and your, your look of like, mm, that I could see both hand and look, and I felt it. We, we are so, so driven to contention and to division. It's just a part of us. It happens in our churches. I've said this before. My earliest memory my earliest church memory is a church that was just mired in conflict. And guess what? In the early 2000s, it shuttled, shut its doors because that's what happens, right, when we are divided. If you talk about countries, if you talk about homes, if you talk about churches, if you talk about just families between a husband and a wife, right? It doesn't Jesus give us this? You remember him saying this, right? Not that at all. This. Uh, you remember Jesus saying, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Now, I know we all have lots of opinions uh, about whether or not the future of the country. You have lots of opinions about who in your family is right or wrong and who's making the terrible choice. We have lots of opinions, right? And the problem with so many of us, and, and, and me include all of us, I think, probably, is that what we take as our opinions, we quickly turn into rules that we then place upon other people that then should guide and direct their lives. And when it doesn't guide and direct their lives, we're deeply disappointed or we're deeply angered, and we want to cut people off and set them aside. My message to you today is that Jesus is calling us to something better than that. And this has application to everything about what is going to happen in the next few weeks as you begin a breakneck pace of life that is going to pull and pull and pull on all of you. Anybody stressed already? Right? That's probably not going to decrease as the holidays increase. And so in all of this stuff that is going on, I want to remind you that we worship the Prince of Peace. That not only does he grant to us peace, but he calls us to peace. And there is nothing more difficult than making and maintaining peace. Husbands, can I get a witness? I'm just kidding. All right, Bible. Let's look at the Bible. Um, I'll put it up here as well, but if you want to look at your Bibles, uh, it is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you want to follow along exactly with what I am. It's on page 966. But again, I'll put it up here for you so you can see this Paul is speaking to a church. 
This is the second letter to this church, in fact. And if you recall, the first letter to the church didn't go over really well. It was rife with conflict and fighting and sin and just brokenness. And so Paul writes this letter, in first, this first Corinthian letter, that is really hard. It's really harsh. But every drumbeat of that letter is this. Remember you are one. Remember you are one. Remember you are one. Or as Paul put it, remember you are family. Remember you are family. Remember you are family and that that came about because God chose to call you together and to redeem you in the blood of his own son. And so here we have Paul reflecting upon all that God has done. And he says here in the second letter as he's writing to them, he says, I want you to remember we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal to the world through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, even though Jesus knew no sin at all, so that in him, all y'all could become the righteousness of God. Just sit with the immensity of that statement for a second. All that God did in Christ Jesus was so that you might be displayed to the world as God's righteousness. That's beautiful. It's insane and beautiful. We spend a lot of time on this idea of an ambassador, but if you remember about kind of what that word means, an, an ambassador is somebody who goes from one kingdom into another kingdom and dwells within that foreign kingdom that they might help declare the glories of the kingdom they came from, right? But also to begin to build bridges of unity so that this kingdom that you are in can become connected to this kingdom that you are from. Does that all make sense? Right? And we are called that. Our calling is to step into the world as a person who has met the grace of God, to stand within the world as the righteousness of God so that we might be an agent that reaches into the world and calls people to become unified, united to God. One of the beautiful things about the way God works and one of the puzzling things, one of the difficult things about the way God works is this, is that if you want to love God, you have to love people. Or maybe, maybe I could put it in a different way. That when you lean into loving one another, you get God's love with it. We aren't earning anything. We're pursuing something. We are pursuing love. And in pursuing that, we're pursuing unify, unifying with other people, building bridges of peace. We are called to be this. They need us in our midst. And as we look across the news, you look across the world, maybe, you have, maybe you're coming from a family that is maybe broken. Maybe it's not Christian. Maybe it's, maybe it's struggling. All of these different things that we see, guess what? They will never find peace. There will never be lasting peace until you meet Jesus. Because Jesus invites us to meet grace, and you cannot have peace without grace. And grace is displayed most powerfully in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to whom we glorify forever and ever. 
We are called to be a people unified. We are called to be unified in purpose, to be ambassadors, not to be conquered, not to be divided, not to be broken, not to be shut down in our families, in our lives, in our churches, all this. We are called, what does the Bible say? Paul is, he's working with his church and he says, you are more than conquerors. You aren't to be conquered. You are more than conquerors because you are in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus has defeated the one and greatest enemy of all. Death itself has been conquered by him. But I love how Paul goes on. He moves beyond this and into chapter 6. And we're going to move there next. If you want to look at chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, I love how he, how he demonstrates what it might look like. And that's what I want to cast for you. This ambassador text draws a picture, but then think for a second of what that ambassador, what we as ambassadors, as an ambassadorial wing of the kingdom of God to Portage, Michigan, could look like. Here's an image that Paul gives that Corinthian church. He says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so because now is the time to be declaring salvation, to be the ambassadors of Christ, to be calling people to peace with God and peace with the church, to be calling people to peace in general, right? As we are ambassadors, because of that, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by endurance in afflictions, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Wow. As servants of God, he says, this is what we have done for you. Imagine, imagine being a person of such strong conviction and yet such deep peace that you can work with a people who is deeply conflicted. You can enter into their midst and it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter if we talk about riots. It doesn't matter if we talk about beatings or stonings or any kind of mortification of the flesh that you can endure. You can face it all. Imagine having that kind of strength. Paul says that is the kind of strength the ambassador of God can have. But we do not return insult for insult. We do not return blow for blow. We are different fundamentally than the people who are around us, who also may put up with all of these things, but when they encounter all of these hardships, we see the world become more bitter, more jaded, more broken, more angry, more at each other's throat, more more stingy and withholding, and yet what we are called in the face of all of the hard times that you are facing right now, and I know so many of you are, we are called to virtue, brothers and sisters, We are called to greatness. What does Paul say of the ambassador of God? This is the ambassador of God. How do they make their achievements? By purity and knowledge and patience and kindness and the power of the Holy Spirit and genuine love. Truthful, truthful speeches, which I suspect are what we will avoid at our family gatherings but what our family gatherings most desperately need if we are truly pursuing peace. By truthful speech and the power of God. For we are not unarmed, my brothers and sisters, but rather God has left us with great weapons of war. Paul talks about it being kind of strong masculine figure, leans upon this sort of uh, metaphor 
He says, through, did I miss it? I did. Well, look at your Bibles. The weapons of our righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, as poor and yet making rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. Here we see the great paradox of spirituality, the great paradox of God, the great paradox of the God who is great in love and great in justice. The God who warns us to come to him lest we face punishment and says, as soon as you come to me, I'll wash you away with love and grace and forgiveness. The paradox is here that if we were to carry weapons, our weapons would be thus, righteousness and righteousness. Because our task is thus, to make peace between this broken world that does not know God and all you all who have met God and have met his forgiveness and experienced his grace. And so we march forward as Jesus says, he's talking to Peter and says, the gates of hell shall not overcome you, which is great because if those gates like uprooted themselves and started moving towards us, overcoming us, that would be Do you understand the silliness of the metaphor? Gates don't overcome people, right? What do we do? We overcome gates. Jesus says, those gates, they're not moving. But y'all, you are empowered by the Spirit to move towards victory, towards life, towards faith, towards love. And in your right hand is the righteousness of your movements. And the left hand is the righteousness of your movements. For by purity and knowledge and kindness and the Holy Spirit and gentleness and faithfulness, that is how we march forward. Because we are here to make peace. And I love that. I want to draw some conclusions here. As we think about our calling and all of these texts and and how they change us and shape us. And what they mean for us as we think about our calling together to accomplish it. Because I hope you've noticed that in all of these verses, even the yous that are present there are all plural. That everything Paul is talking about is about the body of Christ moving together, each member in its own unique giftedness towards God. And so here's a few points. The first is that we need help for virtue. Do you see those words? Man, let's pull them up again. Purity? How many of you are willing to stake your life that you're pure? (laughs) Knowledge? I'm not going to step on that. Patience? I won't let Laura step on that. Kindness? She, the Holy Spirit? These are high things, aren't they? I talked about this in the podcast last week, but it's been just sitting with me as we were talking about Barnabas and Paul and these great heroes of faith, as I look across kind of the heroes, the, the movers and shakers, we're talking about politicians or Instagram people or movie stars or sports heroes, all of these different people that we see, TV thing, characters that we look up to, all of the stories that we tell, so often they're not filled with virtue. They aren't calling us to something higher, better, greater than ourselves. And that's why we come back to Scripture, because it isn't flashy, It isn't flashy. 
It isn't a new word. It isn't like something new I'm going to smack you up in the face with. This is the same thing you've been hearing the whole time. But it isn't sexy, and so they don't put it on TV. And it isn't conquer the way the world wants to conquer, and so they don't put it on politicians and other people in power. But we are called to greatness, brothers and sisters. You are called to look at Jesus and follow him. And him only, because in him is purity and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, all those things that we are striving after. But if you would strive after such high things, let me tell you, you can never strive after it alone. You will never achieve these things. Because all of us are, are, we're all baby narcissists. Right? I already think I'm pure enough. Otherwise, I'd be pure, wouldn't I? I already think I know enough, otherwise I'd be reading more books. I already think I'm patient enough, otherwise I'd be eating peas with a knife, right? I'd be working on these things. But we don't because we think we're good enough. And that's why we need the church. That's why you need your husband and your wife. That's why we partner together. That's why our connections are so important because we need somebody to say, oh, dude, you aren't pure at all. You might want to work on that patience thing. You just went off on the kids again, Right? Right? We need the community. If we want virtue, we're going to have to achieve it together. We're going to have to achieve it together. Second, I noticed that he calls us to struggle. I didn't know how to put this. I didn't know whether to write pain or comfort or companionship. But man, don't you just want friends in the journey? I was, when, when, um, when Pat was here, he was talking to me about what they're struggling with up north. Um, at, at um, I'm blanking, I'm sorry. Northwestern, isn't that where he is? Yes, Northwestern. Up at Northwestern, the, thing, the number one thing that students are wrestling with there is loneliness. I mean, how many different social media accounts do y'all have? And we're lonely. Because nothing, nothing beats a hug. <laughs> Can I put it that way? Just that way? That when times are really hard and things are really broken and, and, and things really suck, you need somebody to stand next to you and be like, yeah, man, that stinks. I'm sorry. We need friends for the pain. And that's why God called us together in this beautiful thing called the church. That's why he gave us physical bodies that experience connection. That's why chemicals drop in your brain when somebody gives you a hug and you're like oh man thanks man i really needed that today that's why god gave you the church because he loves you so much he did not want you to be alone but brothers and sisters we have to lean into that we have to have the patience and the kindness we have to rely on the holy spirit and brothers and sisters we need to have genuine love We need to have that if we are going to make it through the journey, if we are going to make it through virtue, if we're going to push through the pain. But especially, and most importantly, if we are going to achieve our purpose. If we are going to achieve our purpose, we have to have help. Because everybody encounters God in their own way. This is the thing that I've discovered over these years of ministry I just, every time I meet people and I say, you know, how did you meet God? It's so frequently an interesting and different story. And God is calling us all together. And if we are going to achieve our purpose, we need to get there. You remember our purpose back up there in, uh, in verse 2 and 3? 
Back in chapter 5, you're ambassadors of Christ. You are ambassadors of unity. Every single one of us, we as a group, we are ambassadors for unity. God is calling us to this. And so he gives us some very practical advice. The scripture gives us things you've probably heard before. You know, beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Right? Because every one of us always invert that, don't we? I get angry first, and then I let you know about it. And then if I've got time and enough in me, maybe I'll listen to you, right? And so the scriptures give us this helpful little piece of advice. Instead, let's go the opposite direction and hold that tongue. This is what I'm working on. (laughs) Galatians 5.15, if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll consume one another. And so the Bible calls forth these things to remember the things that make for peace, but it calls us to do so because we have a great calling. In fact, you might know some of you who are maybe rooted in our church tradition, you might be aware that we are a network of churches called the Restoration Movement. And one of our early founders, Barton Stone, got in all kinds of trouble because this was his focus. And he went to any church to do this, just declaring constantly, come to God because I can tell you two great truths. That knowledge bit, I often feel inadequate, but I have, I think I know in my bones two great truths, and that is that God loves each and every one of you. And that no matter what, his voice is calling your name. And he is calling your name into a group of people who can walk with you, love you, help you achieve greatness, be with you when suffering hits, be with you when success hits, and together achieve the purpose of declaring the glory of God so that the world can look, turn, and know that there is a God amongst us. You'll remember with me the words of Jesus, right? When he called his people together uh, at the beginning in Matthew 5, this famous Sermon on the Mount bit, and he says, you're the light of the world, right? You're light. Um, this, this, this is my own thinking, right? So this is not in your Bibles. This is just a, um, a mental exercise that I go through. And so it might be helpful to you, might not. I don't think I've shared it here before. If I have and you've heard it, tune out. Why would I say that? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, God is light, right? And often with light, there is heat. If you think of a sun, right? You've got a star or something like that. There's this immense amount of light, but also with that comes heat. And we know that heat is good, right? We know in Michigan that heat is good, right? And you know that as you move closer toward heat, the heat increases. And if you're something, if you have something like gold or diamonds or something very valuable, as you move it toward the heat, if it's caked, it'll knock the easy stuff off, right? But if you really want the purify that stuff, what do you have to do? Come on. You gotta move it a little closer to that heat, right? And the closer you get to the heat, the more that gets knocked off. But the closer you get to the heat, the things that are on, on that rock are harder to get rid of. You ever try to get like scum off of the bathtub? You get the quick kid stuff, but you don't get the big daddy stuff? Like, it's, I don't That was weird too. I don't know where things are. The point is just to <laughs> say, that 
If you take that object and you move it closer and closer to the heat, the things that are harder to get off are going to take that more intense heat to purify. Which means that if you will grow closer to God, if you will move closer to the heat, to the fire, to the perfection and purity of his light, it's going to grow more and more painful, more and more difficult, because the easy stuff's getting knocked off. But the deep stuff, the stuff that you really have to dig at, that stuff is going to really burn. And I want to move closer to God. But let me just be authentic with you for a second. I'm really scared. I am very scared of moving closer to God because I know the pain that that brings. And so I need you to say no don't fear. Draw near, right? Draw near to God. Become a part of the unity. Become a part of this, this enterprise of drawing close to perfection and sharing the gift of God's love. Because again, the truth is, God loves all of us and he is still calling your name. He is calling us together. He is calling us to virtue. He is calling us to unity. He is calling us to mission. He is calling us to let our light shine that they may see our good works and bring glory to God who is in heaven. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this song of praise to our God who has gathered those who have been scattered in his love.